Welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Healthy Longevity. It's June 2021 and I'm Jonathan Blott. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Hanlon from the University of Glasgow. Peter is part of a team of researchers who examined the rates of serious adverse events in trials including older people compared with those focusing on the general adult population. So what are some of the issues of clinical trials that assess treatments for age-related diseases such as hypertension? The main issue for trials of many treatments that are for age-related conditions is that trials are not representative of the populations that are treated for these conditions. There's a number of reasons for that. The first and most simple is age itself. So many people with these conditions, as you'd expect, are much older, but trials in general tend to have younger populations than people encountered in routine care. However, in addition to age, there's some some other factors which can impact trial representativeness. So the first is multimorbidity, so people having multiple additional long-term conditions. And we know that multimorbidity uh, gets more common with age, and particularly in older people, multimorbidity is often the norm. So in clinical practice, most of the people we see have multiple long-term conditions. However, in trials, although multimorbidity is not absent, we know that it is much less common than is seen in routine clinical practice. And the final factor that's relevant to representativeness, particularly of older people, is that of frailty, so a vulnerability to adverse health outcomes. And one of the challenges is that frailty is not routinely measured within clinical trials, although we know it affects a large proportion of older people and may complicate the management of long-term conditions. So that means not only are trials sometimes not representative, but it's difficult to judge how representative they are because factors such as multimorbidity and frailty are often not reported. So that leads to a challenge in how we apply trial evidence to these patient groups in routine care. Mm, so, so given these challenges that you've just described. Could you describe the aims of your study and and your approach to assessing trial representativeness? Certainly. So our aim was to assess the representativeness of randomised control trials for hypertension and particularly focusing on drugs acting on the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. So using those drugs as an exemplar. Because of some of these difficulties in the data that trials record, particularly not measuring things like frailty, we came up with a new method to assess representativeness of trials, and that was to look at serious adverse events. So there's a number of types of events that would be classed as serious adverse events within a trial, and the majority of those are either events that lead to hospitalisation or death of the trial participant, and trials are required to record and report how often these events happen within the trial. And because of this, we were able to compare the rate of serious adverse events within these trials to the rates of hospitalizations and deaths among people receiving similar treatments, but in routine clinical practice. And the rationale here is that if a trial is truly representative of the target population, so people that are receiving these treatments in routine care, we'd expect the rates of events such as hospitalizations and deaths to be similar between the two populations. We also wanted particularly to look at whether trials that specifically recruit older people are more representative than trials that recruit a general adult population, as recruiting an older population is one mechanism by which trials try to select a more representative population. But these other factors, such as frailty and multimorbidity, may mean that that's not enough to overcome the problem. And then... What do your findings reveal about the rates of serious adverse events in trials compared to in community routine care? And 
Did your findings reveal greater representative for trials that specifically enrolled older adults? So put simply, our findings showed that hospitalizations and deaths were considerably more common in the community than in clinical trials. So it confirmed the suspicion that trials are not representative of their target populations. Across the trials in general, the rate was approximately four times higher within the community than in the trials. And that was after accounting for age and sex. Um, so it's not simply that trial participants are younger, even in similar aged people, the rate is considerably higher within the community. When we compared trials focusing on older people compared to trials of a general adult population, we did find a higher rate of serious adverse events in trials of older people. So these trials do successfully recruit people who are at some greater risk of these events, which does reflect some of the complexity that comes with treating older adults. However, the difference between these older trials and these standard trials when we accounted for age and sex was similar between the two groups. So to put that simply, trials of older people, despite being an older population, are similarly underrepresentative than a general adult population in terms of these other factors, particularly the risk of adverse events. So then what do these findings mean in terms of clinical trial design and clinical practice? So taking trial design first, it confirms the suspicion that's often held that trials are not representative of the target populations. But it also highlights that this problem is not solved by simply recruiting older people to trials. Although that is an important factor in informing the care of older people, we would argue it's not sufficient to achieve a truly representative population. The implications for clinical practice are more nuanced and complex. Essentially, I would argue that it, this creates uncertainty as to how we should best apply trial evidence to older people and particularly those living with multiple long-term conditions or living with severe frailty. We have to balance that with the fact that trials are vital to informing our care. So although not representative, trials are hugely valuable um, and trial data give, does give us the best evidence we have for the efficacy of certain treatments. But that has to be balanced against the increased complexity of living with, for example, multiple long-term conditions and the competing demands and the competing risks that that brings. And I think that's something that clinicians, particularly those that are treating people in older age or with frailty, would recognise in their practice. There's a need to individualise how we apply evidence. And while we, we should try to um, use the best evidence available, there's a need to be aware of some of the limitations to that evidence, particularly in terms of representativeness of trials. So then finally, based on these findings, um, what suggestions do you have for improving clinical trial design uh, in older patient groups, in particular strategies to increase trial representativeness? So I think there's two um, main recommendations that we would make from this research. The first is that trials could collect and report data which would allow us to better assess the representativeness of trials and perhaps to use their data to better inform the treatments of people living perhaps with multimorbidity or with frailty. And the second point is whether trials could be made to be more representative of their target populations. So taking the first point, one of the challenges we had in assessing representativeness is that trials were very variable in how they recorded factors such as comorbidity. They generally don't record frailty. However, trials do collect a wealth of information and do so in a very rigorous and a very standardised way. 
So if it were to become more commonplace for trials to collect some of these other factors, such as comorbidities, in a way that would allow trials to be compared or allow us to compare data across a range of trials, this would allow us to better use the data that is already collected to inform these treatments. The second issue though, and the, the perhaps more pressing one, is how do we make trials more representative of their target populations? And that's a challenging question because there are risks to participating in a trial as well. And people, particularly those living, for example, with frailty, are potentially more at risk of some of the potential harms of trials. However, there's a need for trials that specifically inform the questions that we're faced with when we're caring for people, particularly in older age or living with frailty. And I think particularly where that's the focus of the trials, so where it's trying to inform our treatment of older adults, there's a need to be very mindful of whether the population that's being recruited is truly representative of that challenge that's being faced in clinical practice. And in that context, I think to be mindful of the specific features of the population and to make it possible or easier perhaps for people living with severe frailty to become trial participants and to be monitored in such a way to maximise their safety, I think would be important steps that we could take. Peter Hanlon, thank you. Thank you. You can read Peter Hanlon's research online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Peter and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, The Lancet Healthy Longevity, wherever you usually get your podcasts.